As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. On the show today, we'll be reviewing the young boys against young boys at Old Trafford last night. We'll be previewing the trip to Norwich this weekend in the Premier League. And we'll also, I think, finally be getting a definitive answer on how to pronounce the new Manchester United interim manager's name. Rang Nick. Thank you, Andy. More of that to come in a little while. I'm Ian Irving and joining us on the show today. A slight change to the usual lineup. Andy Mitten is here, as you just heard, the United We Stand editor. So, Gutter Morgan to you, Andy. And showcasing the squad depth in the Manchester United lineup at the Athletic at the minute. It's a very warm Talk of the Devils welcome to Anthony Hay. Hello, Ian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm delighted to make my debut. I feel like I'm Anthony Alanga today. <laughs> Let's hope you do better than Anthony did last night, then, eh? <laughs> yeah, I was giving Laurie a little rest. <laughs> we don't miss Laurie for a week, do we, Andy? It's quite good, really, isn't it? Get a break. Laurie's supposed to be having a week off this week, but I've seen him putting articles out every single day. Laurie, chill, relax, you deserve it. You work hard, you've got <laughs> loads of big games coming up. And Anthony, as you obviously know, the first time you're on this podcast, you have to sing a song, mate. So you can choose whichever song you want to sing, mate, and away you go. <laughs> we'll save that until the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have a thing. Yeah, good shout. I'm still looking forward to your initiation song. Don't Andy, tell actually. Anthony that. We, we, we... Uh. <laughs> Great. Let's get into it then. Um, uh, yeah, lots of changes. It's only, of course, the second game for Ralph Rangnick as well. But in terms of what we sort of made of last night, Anthony, I'll let you go first as our as our guest, uh, and you were there, of course. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was just really flat, but I think you expect that when you make 11 changes and you bring in players who haven't played minutes regularly. Um, It was good to see the youth players, the six academy graduates who made their debuts in the Champions League, but I think the first team players will be sleeping fine because they'll know that they'll be playing against Norwich at the weekend because none of them really delivered and none of them said to Ragnik, I should be starting. 
I think the only one who did perform well was Mason Greenwood, as you can see with his goal. He showed natural finishing. But yeah, the rest flattered to deceive, I think. Yeah, should have gotten an assist for one matter in that first half as well, to be fair. Uh, Mason Greenwood was, was, was the brightest uh, sort of star, shall we say, in that, in that first half. Andy... Anyone else? Dean Henderson, maybe? I mean, he looked pretty steady and he sort of was a bit of a sweeper-keeper in the first half as well. Do you think Randick had asked him to do that? I'm not sure what he asked him, but I thought he did well. And, and if we're talking on goalkeepers. I thought it was great that Tom Heaton, who's a, who's a top lad, came on and played for United the first time. Look at you nodding just because he lives near you. and you, I don't know if you know him or not. I didn't know yeah. he did, to be fair. I just thought he was <laughs> a nice lad. When we used to interview him at Burnley, he's the only Premier League player who's ever helped my cameraman put his lights away. I was sat there going, leave it, Tom, it's his problem, you know. And the reporter's not getting involved, but the player is. That tallies with some because I interviewed him at Burnley. It was middle of winter and he came out and I'd not met him before and he just said, here's my number if you ever need anything. And just really nice when you get small touches like that as a journalist. Uh, as for any others, I thought Ted and Mengi did well when he came on. And United started well, as they had done against Crystal Palace. But there was a little bit of that West Ham Cup game. You make all those changes. And as Ralph Rangnick, maybe we'll talk about pronunciation later, said... I think we need to, don't yeah, we? I've been told off <laughs> by a few German speakers. I think we all have. So have I. I didn't think I'd even done it wrong, to be fair. We were trapped smart asses, weren't we, by over-pronouncing it? Rangnick. <laughs> but, yeah. Ralph. I'm just going to call him Ralph. Nick. There's no yeah, debate Ralph, on that. Ralphie. And um, he he said that the, the performance dipped towards the end of the half and... I think he was right. And in the second half, it wasn't as good, which is exactly the same as Palace. So if we're looking for trends under Ralph the man, uh, we're getting one already where the team is starting really well. United went ahead. Brilliant goal from Mason Greenwood. And I think he needed that because he started the season playing all the time and he hasn't been playing so much recently. And I spoke to Brian Robson about him last month. He said he's the best player at this club since Ryan Giggs. And that's Brian Robson talking. So he finished it well, but his positioning to finish it well was superb but we're playing against young boys burn they've not won any of their last five away matches okay they weren't allowed to bring the number of fans that they were hoping to because of restrictions but i just felt if united would have won that and as ralphie said could have been two or three nil up in the first half we could now be saying uh, it's four wins and a draw since watford but it's it, it's a draw look United have got out of this group that that Villarreal result and those late wins at home to to Villarreal and, and uh, to Atalanta, that gave Ralph Rangnick the security and the luxury of being able to look at all those players. Because if Manchester United would have been needing a result last night, this would never have happened and we wouldn't be talking about the themes we're going to explore in this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll talk about Aaron Wan-Bissaka in a minute because, uh, Anthony, you've you've sort of focused in on him. He had a, a disappointing night as well. But first, Charlie Savage sort of got a lot of the limelight last night for obvious reasons. When your dad's the co-commentator on UK TV, I guess there's a reason why you end up getting a bit more of a fanfare. Uh, but in some ways, in terms of a piece of, of history at Manchester United last night, Zidane Iqbal coming off the bench, an academy graduate, he became the first British South Asian to play for Manchester United Football Club. Anthony, that, that's no small feat, is it? He's going to inspire a lot of young lads and young girls. Yeah, so good. It will bring positivity towards the British Asian community. And obviously there's loads of British Asian fans, Manchester United fans. And it'd be good to see him be the new poster boy on the pitch for Manchester United. 
Yeah, it's crazy, really, that it's taken this long, Anthony, isn't it? Because there's lots of young Asian, British Asian players in leagues right across the country and and certainly in the Greater Manchester area. So to take this long to get someone into the first team is strange in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird, but it's not just at Manchester United where that's happening. I think it's across the Premier League, even the Football League. So it would be really good if he could be the next one to really bring other South Asian players into the football community on the pitch as well as off it. The brilliant thing about this, Andy, as well, not only has he got a fantastic name, but he's a very talented young lad as well. He is. I think we saw that when he scored that wonder goal at Sunderland in the, in the, um, the Papa John's Trophy recently. I first got told about him by Quinton Fortune, who was coaching him, and he said um, we, we've got real hopes for him. But the, the point about him being the first um, Salvation British player to play for United is significant. And also, what I, I think we should also mention is, I've noticed in the last few years a lot more British Salvation United fans coming to games, home and away, I've seen them all over the place. And I think it's a really encouraging thing. And I met a couple of lads from East Lancashire at a recent home game, and they were a bit older, and they told me that they'd gone regularly to United in the 80s. They had to stop going because of the racist abuse that they received. And I can remember that at the end of the 80s. And now they're coming back, and they're bringing their friends and for all that time, they'd felt that going to football was not something which they could do. And they feel fine coming to watch Manchester United now. So I think it's really encouraging um, that we're seeing this diversity at, at matches and some of Manchester United's most loyal fans now. You look at their background, it's in it's in Pakistan, it, it's in India, it's in Bangladesh. And I think that's a, a really good thing. I remember 20 years ago going to Bury and speaking to one of their senior club officials and he was a bit of a dinosaur. And he said, we've got loads of Asians around here, but they just don't come to games. And I thought, whoa, I just didn't like the comment. And his point was probably true, though, if he looked at the makeup of the crowd. And I'm glad that is changing. And not just for the big Man United home games, all Manchester United matches. So I think that's really encouraging. And congratulations to Zidane. What a name. What a fantastic name. And he's talented. Well, he had to be good with a name like that. Absolutely. Yeah. But then again, Ralph Milne and Ralph Ralphie Rangnick, you know, he's, if we're going to go too deeply into names, <laughs> we're going to start tripping ourselves up all over the place. But it's fantastic for him. And six academy um, players played in the Champions League for Manchester United for the first time. And probably some of them will never play for Manchester United again because we've seen similar statistics before. I remember a Champions League dead rubber against Roma, I think it was 2007, and not only did you have lads playing in that game who never played again, you had lads on the bench, people like Fabian Brandy, and they still talk about it now. You know That was their highlight, and some of them had really good careers, just not at the top, top, top level. So it was really good that the team got over that bad start in this group to be able to give players a chance to play some Champions League football. But as Anthony said, it wasn't great. No. But United are through and we can look forward to the draw on Monday. Yeah, Mason Greenwood, I thought his comments after the game were lovely, actually. He sort of saying, he was asked, wasn't he, like, what what do you sort of say to these players? And um, and he said that uh, they should enjoy it, tell your families about it, talk to your friends about it. You've played for Manchester United. Not many people can say they've done that, especially at Old Trafford. So, that you know, that's an achievement that will live with them all. And just to go back to Charlie Savage as well, Anthony, nice in a way that he sort of followed... 
in the footsteps that his father didn't quite make. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I heard he was quite emotional on BT Sport yesterday. I couldn't see it because I was in the press box. But now it's good to see Savage on the pitch as well, as well as the other academy graduates. Let's see what he can do in the future, if he can better his dad. Yeah, a midfield of Zidane and Savage. We never thought we'd see it, would we? <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's go into your article then, um, because you decided to sort of pick out Aaron Wan-Bissaka as maybe someone who needed to have a good game last night and make an impression because of the way Diogo Dalot has played in the last couple of weeks for Manchester United. What what was your, your takeaway? You can read the article, of course, on The Athletic at the minute, but just summarise it for us, Anthony, if you wouldn't mind, please. Yeah, I just think he failed his audition, really, in front of Ragnik. Um, he should have taken the game by storm by like pushing forward because in Rouse... 4-2-2 formation, he wants the wing-backs to really push on because the number 10s go inside. But I just think he divvied on the ball again, like what he used to do. And I think he's just given Dallow the, the right-back slot for the time being. Um, I got our stats guy to look at where he was having most of his touches and most of them came in the third near his defensive line rather than in the other area. So... I think he really needs to improve if he's going to win back his place. Yeah, an interesting theme of your article is this idea that he's sort of reverting back to the player he was when he first came to United. Because actually, there were beginning to be some encouraging signs for Wan-Bissaka going forward. He looked like he'd improved on that. Solskjaer, back along, spoke quite sort of openly about him needing to work on that and it being worked on. But actually, now we're sort of seeing a, a little bit of a regression, aren't we? Yeah, I think because when he was at Palace they would have to defend so much that he's used to doing the defensive work rather than the attacking work. So he still needs to improve going forward. But I find it quite bizarre because he was actually a winger in Palace's academy. Yeah. But he's still struggling on the ball. And United looked at 804 right-backs when they signed him for 50 million. So they must have saw something in him, but he's still struggling and he needs to kick on again. Yeah, Andy, is it an easy decision for Rangnick now going forward? Is it just Diogo Delo's spot to lose? Well, Delo deserves credit because he's done well and I'd had doubts about him for, for a long time. He was always good uh, attacking, but Aaron Wambasaka was far better defending. I don't think Aaron had a bad time when he first came to Manchester United. I just think he's having a, a bad season uh, this year. And this formation, which Ralph Rangnick plays, should actually suit an attacking fullback because it's very narrow. The one part of the pitch where United get width from is from your fullbacks who are allowed to push right up. And you saw that against Crystal Palace. And Diego Delot really took advantage of that. So it's been quite a surprise that the two fullback positions, which seemed so set six months ago with Luke Shaw and Aaron Mambasaka, are now having anything but because Alex Tillis has come in and done well. Diogo Delot has done exactly the same thing. Luke Shaw's form's regressed because he was excellent last year and he hasn't been this year. And Aaron Wambasaka, and back to Anthony's first point, he failed his, his audition. He was probably Manchester United's worst player last night. I don't know what the solution is, whether he needs a bit of time out, but he's gone from playing every game to the situation we're in now where if you asked United fans to pick their best 11, he probably wouldn't be in it. There's been a concern about him for a while. That's why Manchester United tried to get Kieran Trippier in the summer. Kieran Trippier wanted to come back to Greater Manchester, where he's from. Atletico wouldn't sell him. That's the be-all and end-all of that one. Whether United go back for Trippier, again, we, we don't know what's going to happen there. But 
Delorte, I felt there's times when you know, it's been sent out on loan. I, I thought it doesn't have a future at Manchester United and he's still got some rough edges to his game, but he puts a beautiful cross in and I think if you could just mix him and Aaron Wambasaka up in a bag, you can have your perfect right back there, but we can't do that. So for now, I'd, I would expect it to be Delo who, who starts at Norwich at the weekend. Yeah, Anthony, any more of a debate on the other side? Luke Shaw was withdrawn early. Of course, he's had his sort of injury problems in the last couple of matches. He's missed the last couple of matches, hasn't he? With bangs to the head and, um, you know, he's been out of the squad completely. But he was withdrawn early. Do you think that was with an eye on Norwich or just because he's working his way back to fitness? Because, again, it feels sort of like maybe Alex Tellers' position to lose. Yeah, I think Shaw just needs to work his way back to full fitness. Obviously, he had those two knocks with concussion and... Yeah, Tellez, he performed well at the Palace game. I was there as well. And yeah, it's his, his spot to lose, basically. Until he does anything wrong or until Shaw proves himself fitness-wise, then I don't see why Ralph will change it on Saturday. Yeah, it was a great cross from Luke Shaw as well, wasn't it, for the goal. Um, another interesting talking point last night was the weather. Uh, I, I was making my way up from London because I was working down uh, down there yesterday. And I only just made it because the road was blocked, but I saw one matter's name on the team sheet and I thought, I need to get there. And I was also going with my dad for the first time post-COVID as well. So come hell or high water, uh, as last night was, I was getting myself to Old Trafford. But it, it did sort of make it a struggle for some players. And Ian, of course, Aaron Wambasaka looked hurt towards the end as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And he was carried off on a stretch along after the final whistle. And his manager talked about um, two injuries, actually. Um, I don't know how serious they are um, wrist and I think it was ankle as well the weather was horrendous and at least you could go in the ground we had United We Stand lads stood on the streets trying to sell a paper based product in the pouring rain and it's absolutely terrible and it just totally dispirits us it's good that you mentioned Matter. I think he should be playing regular football it's not going to happen at Manchester United he wants to play regular football and there were a couple of things he did in the first half where I thought he's such a lovely footballer and he faded in the second half as did pretty much all the team mm. but Juan Mata should be playing top level football I'm not saying top level Premier League but he could be doing such a such a job and he wants to he wants to be playing uh, and I don't blame him so I don't know what the solution is there because he's obviously on a decent contract at United and he likes the city of Manchester and I don't know whether he'll, he'll go in January. I just I just don't know what what's happening there. Um, with regards to the weather, it's just, just so frustrating. It's just mental, isn't it? But complaining about the weather in Manchester. <laughs> oh, and it, you know me, I've lived here all my life. I've never seen rain like that before. I've never seen a, a motorway flooded. But like I say, you know. In Bergamo last night, the, the game was called off because of the snow. Now imagine if United would have needed a result last night. That could have really skewed things because... They could have both played to their advantage. That would have been a really could have been a really complicated position, but thankfully United was just cruising through and able to play all the kids. Uh, and one matter, and Tom Heaton as well, the the oldest academy graduate ever to make his debut for Manchester United. Another great story. Twenty years after coming through the ranks at Old Trafford, he's in the first team. I love the fact that he clapped the crowd as he sort of made his way to the goal as well. I thought I don't know why I just really enjoyed that, and it was reciprocated. So fantastic. Well done, Tom.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, time to talk Team Rangnick. Andy, should we do the pronunciation thing again? So we're being told it's not Rangnick, it's Rangnick. Rangnick. We shouldn't overcomplicate it. As in, if you've got a mate called Nick and you're telling someone you just rang... You called him. Rangnick. Right, Ralph Rangnick. Good way of remembering it, that. Yeah. Uh, There's a few more names for us to learn as well, isn't there? I hope we're getting these ones correct because he's added a couple of members or he's about to add a couple of members once all the details are worked out to his backroom team. Chris Armas... Not Christmas, as some journalists were joking on Twitter. Welcome, Chris. You'll get used to us. Um, it was an interesting addition, actually, because he's got a background which sort of follows this line of disciples that were calling him to Ralph Rangnick. He's obviously worked at, at New York Red Bulls over in America. He's been a manager in America, well, in the MLS at least. He was at Toronto as well. Um, but interesting, Anthony, that he should bring in someone who's got sort of first-hand knowledge of exactly the sort of football, the vision that, that Rangnick has of, of of how he wants Manchester United to play. Yeah, it makes sense for Rangnick to bring in his own people, especially those from the Red Bull family, what he helped to create. And yeah, I was reading about Chris Armas. Apparently, he's a, a really good coach. He didn't do that well with Toronto, but at New York, apparently as an assistant, he did help them go up the league. So yeah, I think it'd be good that he's bringing in his own men. I wonder where it will leave the likes of McKenna and Mike Phelan, but only time will tell to see if he mixes it up and maybe some of them have to depart. If you want to know more about the new Manchester United assistant manager, there's an article profiling him on The Athletic at the minute, and we've got an update now from the man who wrote it. This is Jeff Reuter of The Athletic. Today we are talking about new Manchester United assistant coach Chris Armas on the back of a piece which I wrote for The Athletic on Wednesday about Everything you need to know about the new Manchester assistant who came kind of out of nowhere and was appointed by Ralph Ragnick. But really, if you look at it, it does make a lot of sense. Armas was a defensive midfielder in his day, bounced around a couple of jobs after retiring before he was ultimately chosen by Jesse Marsh to be his right-hand man as he took over New York Red Bulls ahead of the 2015 MLS season. The duo stepped into a club who had just sacked a beloved club legend of a player who was turned into a head coach and was ultimately fired despite getting some good results for having some serious mix of ideology and struggling to get the team over the hump. Sound familiar? At New York Red Bulls, Marsh and Armas deployed what we now recognize as the standard for any Red Bull football club. Direct when they have the ball, get the ball behind defenses to your pacier players. In defense, of course, you're pressing higher than any other club in the league. You're playing under Armas in either a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-2-2-2. He actually does have previous experience with the system in 2020, and he was very likely... Uh, sparked to try the system out after a meeting with Ralph Ragnick 
after he took over as the chief sporting officer of all of the Red Bull clubs. And he spent a week late in the 2019 MLS season shadowing Chris Armas, then the head coach of Red Bulls. At the time, Armas had already worked with Matt Miazga to help develop the center back ahead of his move to Chelsea and had worked with Tyler Adams, a fellow defensive midfielder, before his move to RB Leipzig. He is a coach who is known to get along very well with his players, to try two-touch drills with them in training and often win. Um, and also to not just throw an arm around to give constructive criticism to a young player, but just as crucially to praise what they're doing well, both in matches and in drills, to keep their confidence high enough where they will be able to contribute to the first team, something that could be of vital importance as he approaches this role with Manchester United. Ultimately, he should be someone who is able to transition to the European game just like Marsh had before him. And ultimately, of course, help contribute to Manchester United as they look for a top four finish and a continued qualification for Champions League soccer. Best of luck with the rest of the season and uh, hope you check out the piece. Yeah, thank you for that, Jeff. Andy, very interesting to get the inside track on Chris Armas because having not worked in Europe, he's not really a name that that anyone knew. No, and I got a message from a, a journalist who covered his time in Canada the other day and I'll just read it back. Is Rangnick serious? Um, he was a disaster at Toronto. He didn't last a season. He looked absolutely lost. So I think if you're judging someone as, as a coach or a manager, you're going to judge their results. Um, Rangnick is obviously an intelligent man, knows what he wants from coaches. And one thing that I was told about him when I spoke to people in Germany last week was that he employs the best people around him. He picks smart people. He's a really good judge uh, and he knows how to delegate and he needs to delegate because he's taken on a lot at the moment and he's got a really difficult job at the moment. People just see uh, this swan doing his media, looking calm, looking cerebral, looking interesting, smiling, relaxed. He's got a really, really difficult job there because he's been parachuted in in the middle of the season and as well as all his media commitments, he's got to get to know all the players. His priorities, obviously, results, shape, selection, but there's so much work for him to do so he'll be bringing in some of the people that he trusts and he's got to marry them with the existing coaches who are already there and he's forming good relationships with them as well so we all hope it, it, it works out and all the best to Chris in his time at Manchester United uh, we've got a bit of a problem here Andy um, producer Ollie reckons that he's heard it's closer to Rungnick rather than Rangnick I mean so like past tense you've called Nick Rung Nick, right? So I've rung Nick. I've rung Nick, right? I've rung Nick. Well, we I've rang Nick or I've rung Nick. Yeah, I've rung Nick. More Mancunian in some ways. Um, we need to know, really, don't we? Anyone listening to this, if you know definitely, maybe we should just ask Ralph. Perhaps that's the easiest thing. If you know definitely, definitively, without any question, exactly how we should be pronouncing the new Manchester United interim manager's surname, please let us know. Uh, and Andy and I, and also Anthony now, we'll, we'll get inundated with even more suggestions that we're pronouncing Ralph's name incorrectly, so we can look forward to that. Um, one mi- Sorry, Andy, go on. I'm going to ask someone in Germany while this podcast is on. Let's see if he gets back to me. Oh, that's how we do uh, it. I know someone in okay, Bonn. Great. Let me see if he uh, comes back to me. Right, let's carry on. But but has he got has he got first hand knowledge of exactly how Ralph wants his name pronounced? I mean, you know, if we're going this well, far, he speaks fluent German and he writes about football for a living. So we've he's got to know his stuff. And and he was the one okay. who told me about Ralph Rang Rungnick six or seven years ago. So I'll message him now. Let's see how we go for updates. Okay, hopefully he replies before the end of this. Then otherwise. Um, Another sort of interesting move, Anthony, that 
Ralph, I'm just going to call him, I think now for the rest of the podcast, uh, made is hiring a sports psychologist as well, Sasha Lentz, who he's worked with before. And he spoke at length, actually, in the in the pre-Young Boys press conference about why he felt uh, it was needed at United. He said it was a matter of logic. And when he explained it, it was very hard to disagree with him, to be honest. Um, what do you make of Sasha Lentz being one of the first moves that, that rang... Oh, here we go. <laughs> Ralph. That Ralph made. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important. Ralph must have come into the club in 2021 and thought, why is there not a mental health coach? So, yeah. so you need that. And if he needs that as part of his team, then it's good that he's brought one in. And yeah, hopefully it makes a big difference on the players. I think mental health in this time of year, 2021, is so important. And the players, they're getting abuse on Twitter and Instagram. So they need to just shut off sometimes. And I think a mental health coach can only help that. Yeah, even in their performance and bringing the best out of them, he sort of talked about you know the, the the mental side of the game being a huge part of enabling the body to perform at, at full tilt, really. Uh, and obviously, that's that's a really important thing for any footballer. Andy, what do you make of the the fact that United haven't had someone dedicated to this? We're not saying that none of the players have have worked with psychologists because individually they have over the years. But Bill Bezik was the last sort of designated Manchester United's club psychologist and he left in 2001 yeah I was just going to mention Bill um he was very close to Steve McLaren and he came in and he definitely worked with with Manchester United players and I don't know when he stopped working with with Manchester United players I know as you say some players individually uh, have seen um psychologists to help them um, as Anthony said I think it it can only be a good thing because we're all making judgments about footballers but we're not living their lives and I've interviewed hundreds over the years and I've got to know a few of them very very well and they just don't see the world the way that we do or the way that the people judging them do and that old phrase about it's impossible to to judge a man until you've you, you know you're standing in his shoes and living his life um and I'll give you little examples a little example um when fans often say they've got no art they've got no passion and you often hear that when teams are not doing well Footballers absolutely hate that because you're implying that they are not able to do their job, that they've got no heart. And they're like, I don't know one footballer who goes out to lose a match. And it's often a first, uh, something that fans revert to when the team are not losing and they're ringing a radio show. It's got no heart, it's got no drive, it's got no passion, it's got no desire. And it drives them mad. Also drives them mad when former players go into the dressing room and say exactly the same thing. They're like, oh, you implying we're not. You're implying we're professional. So it's like calling a journalist a liar. There's certain things in certain industries that that really um, get people's backs up. But with players, and especially players now, and if we go back to that Nicky Butt interview I did a couple of months ago, he could go out for a drink in Manchester and... Maybe you get told off by Alex Ferguson two or three days later because there'd been a fight near him or something like that. Now, within five minutes, everything is on social media and that restricts your life massively. These people cannot go to the Trafford Centre. They just can't do it because they're just going to get completely smothered. People are going to be making judgments about them. They're going to be um, filming them and people push back against that. Yeah, but they're earning all this money. Well, they can't even spend it half the time. They're not, they, they live very weird lifestyles in this bubble and where they're always being judged, people making snap judgments about them, bumped into him, he's a great lad. Why? Because he held the door open for you. I know. They get snap judgments made about them all the time. So they definitely need help, especially in the pandemic time, especially for some of the younger players. 
It's all right saying you should be able to take some criticism. It's not you who's getting it. It's not you who's being called these vicious names. And some days they can take it and some days they can't take it. So they're getting professional help from that side of thing. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, in a football sense as well, Anthony, um, Ralph sort of spoke about the idea of, of Sasha Lentz coaching the coaches. I thought that was an interesting principle as well. It's not something I've heard a manager speak about before. Yeah, I've never heard that before. But I think if this guy just comes in and he makes everyone improve, then it's only good for Manchester United, whether it's coaches, players, even the support staff around the club. So it's only a good thing. And it just shows that Ralph's trying to involve the club onto the next level. I love how we're all calling him Ralph now. Fantastic. <laughs> we're all frightened of saying his name now. <laughs> so it doesn't call him Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On to Carrow Road, just like Manchester United this weekend. Norwich away, the next game in the Premier League. Uh, it's definitely a long trip down there, Andy, um, but it's an expected three points, isn't it? They, they, they need to sort of build on, on the progress that they've made in the Premier League over the, the past few matches since, since Ollie was sacked. Manchester United need to win at Norwich. End of. No ifs or buts. And not just at Norwich. Look at the fixtures coming up. Um, Manchester United really need to be getting a run together, getting back up to the table, looking like the team are going to get in, in in the top four. The players are certainly good enough. As you say, it's a long way away. It's actually a beautiful city when you get there, but it's a proper trek. And it's another game in December where United fans can't get back to Manchester by train. Every single away game in December um, was was is being played at a time when you cannot get back to Manchester by train and it's just an example of games being switched without the actual match going fans being given much consideration at all Norwich are going up and down up and down all the time they're, they're a proud club they get 26,000 they sell out every single week and it's a decent city and it's a good away day for, for, for Manchester United fans but got to be a win-win-win no ifs or buts yeah, interesting as well to see what reaction the squad has, Anthony. You said they'd be sleeping easy. Well, they, they should be well rested, certainly, shouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some of them weren't even at the game yesterday and they weren't on the bench. So all eyes will be on Norwich. Obviously, Norwich have had a bit of an upturn in form under Dean Smith with one win and two draws. And Pookie is a threat with five Premier League goals, but we should be winning this game 100%. So good job there, man of the match from the Tottenham game can't play, isn't it? Brandon Williams ineligible to face Manchester United. He was getting widespread praise for that performance at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Anthony. Yeah, I heard he's been decent of late. Obviously, he lost his place under Fark for a bit, but now Dean Smith has brought him back in. So yeah, it's a plus that he won't be able to play because it means that Dean Smith's going to have to reshuffle his defence. So hopefully we can take advantage of that come Saturday. Yeah, we talked about Brandon Williams at Lenfan, didn't we, a few weeks ago uh, in terms of how he was doing. It certainly picked up 
since then, since Dean Smith has come in. Norwich have picked up as well. Uh, but maybe signs in the last couple of games that they're sort of slipping back to to the form pre-Smith. Yeah. Um, Dean Smith's a very good manager. It fell apart from him at the end at Aston Villa like he did with Oli at, at, at Manchester United. I'm getting me Rangnick man trying to ring me now. Right, let me just see. Right, I'll <laughs> ring him now. <laughs> we get all the exclusives on Talk of the Devils, don't yeah. we? Ring in Germany. Just like the teller's pronunciation. Plus four nine. That's from Andy's wife. <laughs> yeah. Hi, mate. Sorry, Mickey Carter. Right, you're live on the podcast here, mate. So what's your language? Um, Matt Ford, you're, you're in, in, in Bonn. Um, can you tell us, Matt, you're a fluent German speaker. You've been writing about German football for a long time. You work really hard. You travel around Germany all the time. You cover lots of matches. Can you tell the studio the correct, correct pronunciation of <laughs> Ralph... R-A-N-G-N-I-C-K, please. Ralf Rangnick. Oh, come on, mate. How on earth are we going to repeat that? <laughs> Just... <laughs> well, it's Rangnick. Go on, practice rolling your R's and your pronunciation of correct in English. Um, <laughs> Ralf Rangnick. German words, German names are pretty much pronounced exactly as they're spelled. So the second, so the second part of that, of that name, Rangnick, technically speaking... In reality, certain dialects, it goes into a bit of a vanyik, a bit of a softer G. But uh, let's not go into too many details. Uh, if you stick to Rangnick, Hangnick. Exactly you'll be fine. Is that okay, Matt? Rang, Hangnick. <laughs> no, that, that's, that sounds more Spanish. Rangnick. Rangnick. <laughs> Ralph Rangnick. <laughs> Ralph Rangnick. There you go. You've got it. Ralph Rangnick. So we did Rangnick. Rangnick. Ralph Rangnick. Uh, Rangnick, yeah. You, got, you need your, your, em, your emphasis on the first part of the word, so Rangnick. Rangnick. And uh, practice rolling your R's, Andy. Thanks for this, Matt. I'm going to ask the other lads to pronounce, um, to do You're not going to be able to hear them because the way the studio set up, so I will be the judge of this. Ian? Ralph Rangnick. Anthony? Ralph Rangnick. <laughs> Matt, you're going to listen back to this podcast and you're going to absolutely love how bad our pronunciations are. But thank you for calling us from, from Bon, mate, and for the cr- correct pronunciation. I can't even say the word correct anymore. Slowly but surely, Andy. Slowly but surely. Excellent. Rangnick. Easy. Rangnick. We were right all along. Maybe not. Let's get back to the football then. In terms of players coming back, Anthony, there could be a sign of Edison Cavani and, and, and Rafa Varane playing soon because they're both back in training, aren't they? Yeah, I listened in on the press conference before the Young Boys game and Ralph or Rangnick said that they're expected to be back in first team training on Monday. So they've obviously been taking part in light sessions, but come Monday they should be involved in the whole session. So hopefully maybe for the Brentford game or the Brighton game, we might actually see them back on the football pitch again. Yeah, Norwich perhaps a little bit too early for them, but Varane in particular, Andy, would be brilliant to see him back, wouldn't it? He's one of the best defenders in the world and it pains me that we've hardly seen him. He was brilliant at Tottenham in that in that win, as was Cavani. And I just feel that Manchester United with um, Rafael Varane and, and Edinson Cavani playing well. You've got two world-class players there, undoubted world-class players there. And, and we miss them and it's a shame with um, Cavani because it's a repeat of last season. It's all this stop-start little bits and... We want him to finish as well as he did last season. And if he does, in the Champions League, you know, Manchester United, in a best-case scenario, could could be any team. But I'm talking about that at the moment from quite um, 
a low point in terms of confidence given how bad we've been so far. Yeah, there's an article on The Athletic at the moment actually from Michael Cox sort of breaking down what he saw from Rangnick's team against Crystal Palace and, and the intentions that he's got as well of this 4-2-2-2 formation. Cavani probably would suit that, Andy, wouldn't he? Playing in a two up front with Ronaldo, it certainly worked away at Spurs for that one match, didn't it? It'd suit any formation, mate, because he's absolutely brilliant. He could play him in net and he'd be brilliant. <laughs> he's a proper head Cavani. And at Tottenham away, whoa, that was fantastic. United were in, under so much pressure going into that. And I know it all fell apart after that because um, Lord Edinson wasn't about. But he, I think he's a world-class number nine. And it's a shame that... Um, he, he's, he's in the final chapter of his career. Uh, people talked about him and um, Ronaldo not being able to play together. They looked fine to me when they were at Tottenham, but that's one for Ralphie Boy to work out where to go um, with that. But two world-class players, you need your best players. Um, we've done an interview with Dwight York in the Athletic and he just says, pick your best players all the time. And that's what Fergie said as well um, when he was... Uh, caught off guard talking before the Everton draw in October and they're, they're top, top players. Right, any other business? Um, like I said, we'll talk about Yorkie in a minute, but we, we've not revealed our exclusive, Andy, have we? About Alex Tellis, and it's not how to pronounce his name. You found out why he kisses footballs. Yeah, and so have you. Well, I mentioned on Monday that I didn't know why he kissed footballs and I thought it might be something to do with his dad making them in southern Brazil because it's famed for its leather production, but clearly I was talking absolute nonsense. Sure. Right, we know why. Here's what he said, Mr. Tellis. It's personal to me. I believe a lot in good energy and positivity. Whenever I take the ball to cross or shoot, I kiss it so it can go in the right place, so it listens to me as to where I want it to go. I don't know if it's a superstition. It's something I'm comfortable with. I feel good doing this, and I've got into the habit. So he's a he's a ball whisperer. I, I can help him with something. It's definitely a superstition. <laughs> good, good on him. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He said that to the club media earlier on this year, and thanks to everyone who got in touch to point that out to us. Um, we'll reply to all 720 emails suggesting how clueless we were, <laughs> but we do appreciate, it and it's and it's good to deliver the truth to you. Anthony, what do you make of uh, his superstition, Alex? It's definitely a superstition, by the way. Yeah, that's very bizarre, kissing a football. And should we be doing it during COVID times? I'm not so sure. But long may it continue if it's helping him. If he, if he bends in a free kick or if he whips in across to Ronaldo or Cavani, long may it continue. Yeah, I want to see one of his set pieces converted if he's whispering to these balls, Andy, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I want to see a Roberto Carlos-style ball curling into the goal <laughs> against Liverpool away or whatever. But yeah, he's in quite a good place at the moment, um, Alex Talese, so... If that gives him confidence, good on him. And if he's got these type of superstitions, it's fine. I've got no problem with players being like this. But as you say, put one in the back of the net, please. Yeah, keep talking to footballs, Alex, if it makes you happy. Absolutely. We won't think you're strange. Uh, OK, let's talk about Dwight York then, Andy. There's an article up on The Athletic at the minute, an exclusive interview him about his ambitions in coaching. A fascinating character, D Dwight. I've, I've heard him speak about this particular topic a few times, but maybe not quite as extensively and as passionately as he has with you. It was quite a surprise to me because I think he's got a bit of an image problem. People think that he's, he's a laid-back party boy and we discussed that in some depth. And the reason I did this was because I had a couple of people inside Manchester United saying to me over the course of a year... Yorkie's in again and he's decent 
And what happens with former players is they come in and they're not all decent. And some of them come in and are a little bit big time. Some of them go into the dressing room and talk about when we were great. And that doesn't really resonate with the current players either. And it was said to me with Yorkie that his attention to detail is really good. He absorbs information. He's, he goes out of his comfort zone. And he's good on the grass. And I got a pretty glowing report about him. Now, the point I put to Dwight York is, you're 50 now. You've not been involved in football for 10 years. Why should someone just give you a job? And he argues his case. And one point he does make is the is not the same number of opportunities for black managers. And he said it before. But that is not the focus of his interview. He's talking about what he's doing, what he's done. He's done all of his badges. He's travelling around. He's watching a lot of football. He's working with... Arsene Wenger and Steve McLaren this week. He speaks to Sir Alex Ferguson and it's a good interview from what he says. And you don't have to agree with it, but I think he's absolutely entitled to his opinion. And he's been frustrated that he's gone for some jobs and, and he hasn't got them. He's gone for some coaching jobs and he's got them. And goes back to that image thing. People still think that he's a playboy. But even on that point about him being a playboy, he's like, I wasn't a playboy. How many times was I fined for being late? He said, I, I went out when we were allowed to go out. Um, he said, I could name you 30 players who got into far more trouble than I did because he didn't get into any trouble. And he said, do you think Alex Ferguson would have entertained me if I was out all the time? He said, do you think it was easy for me coming from Tobago and establishing myself at Aston Villa? Do you think it was easy for me being the most expensive ever signing for Manchester United? Well, he made it look easy though, didn't he? Because he was brilliant at both. So I, I, I like different perspectives in journalism and in life. He's absolutely entitled to, to his opinions. And have a read of it. That's what the athletic um, should be doing and are doing. Yeah, there's an interesting snippet from Anthony Alanga, of course, who, who played last night against Young Boys uh, about the influence that Dwight York's had on him as well. And, and Anthony, to be honest, if he's even half the coach that he was a player, he'll be doing all right, won't he? Because... He's got such such fond memories playing for Manchester United and we've got such fond memories watching him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his next step is. Obviously, as Andy said, he's 50 now, so he does need to start getting into coaching soon. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes next and hopefully he does get a role, whether it's at Manchester United or another club within the football family. He's got a relationship with Gareth Southgate, Andy, as well, hasn't he, that he leans on. He sort of referenced Sir Alex Ferguson in the article, but I thought it was interesting that he referenced the England manager as well as someone he's sort of spoken to and shared ideas with and, and sort of tried to, to pick up on, on the experience that he's got speaks as well. Speaks to him regularly and speaks to other people. And Steve McLaren says, don't do this, don't do this. And Andy Cole says, don't do this. It's all stacked against you. And that makes him more and more determined um, to do this. And he puts himself about, he goes to a lot of matches and he doesn't need to do this. You know, lads of that generation, they made their money. He, he could put his feet up if he wanted to. And I could say that about some of the people back at Manchester United. They don't need to do it for, for financial reasons. So it will be interesting, as Anthony said. I think it would be fair if he, if he gets an opportunity. I don't know whether that is going in as a coach and working his way through. Um, he made some good contacts when he did his pro license. He's making good contacts now. And it, it just, just seems improbable to me that he just goes in at, I don't know, Rangers or something like that. But then he says, well, well Stephen Gerrard did it. What qualifications did he have? And you sort of go, yeah, I suppose so. And then he lists through a load of players that we played against. And they did it. 
did they drop down to the fourth division or did they get a chance because of who they were? So there's all different strands to this. I, I know um, a young Spanish coach and he says, my biggest problem is I'm not a name. So he finds it frustrating that names get jobs. Well, York is a name and he's not had any, any jobs. So I'd be really fascinated if he does go in there. He doesn't call himself a special one. He says he's different, totally confident in being different and he's an interesting person. Yeah, and it's an interesting read as well. That's up on The Athletic at the minute. Lots of great Manchester United content on there at the minute, as always, including, of course, Anthony's take on Aaron Wan-Bissaka's performance last night against Young Boys as well. And, of course, all the articles that we've discussed on today's Talk of the Devils. But that's it for today. We'll be back on Monday. Squoze, is that a word? I don't know. Sandwich, that's probably a better way of putting it, between the Norwich away game and the Brentford away game as well. We'll reflect on Norwich and look forward to Brentford of course but Andy as always thank you for being with us and Anthony Hay on your debut thank you very much as well for being on Talk of the Devils but from all of us for now we'll see you on the next one take care thanks for listening bye bye Athletic.